The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Hallelujah. Remain standing, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. We'll use as a main text, but I will go to a number of different places tonight. But it's a tradition of ours to read scripture, a main text of scripture. And so we'll do that. Acts chapter 20. And we're going to read from verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. We uh, don't have notes for you tonight and um, was not able to uh, get that to come together. So we'd encourage you to take notes. Um, Very practically, I'll, I'll make seven main points or characteristics regarding cults. And uh, you can write those down, and I would commit them even to memory to help you in the days that are ahead. Let's read Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 28. If you're all there, say amen. Amen. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this... He's prophesying now. After my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do tonight. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. What a powerful time we had this morning. It is recorded and it'll be on YouTube as well as on our podcast and the first of a series on grace called Amazing Grace. And I got really encouraged by that text that we studied. And tonight I am inspired to share with you about how to discern, how to recognize cults, seven characteristics. Now there's cults and occults. So I'm not talking about occult. I'm talking about cults, specifically Christian cults, of which there are many. And what has inspired me to go ahead and bring this very simple message to you tonight is a number of things. Uh, One, I was approached uh, by a uh, Christian cult. It's actually the Unification Church uh, of Reverend Moon. And uh, you can read about him in a book. In fact, I have the book here. I might read a section of it. It's called The Kingdom of the Cults. It is a classic book. And, um, well, look at that. (laughs) It's a classic book that uh, if if you're interested in apologetics, (laughs) if you're interested, no, you won't. That's my spare hundred bucks that I got that you're not supposed to know I have. Amen. Praise God. I'm going over here. Come on, Jesus. I've been exposed. All right. Anyway, the book I would encourage, it's written quite a while ago, but it is tremendous, tremendous, tremendous book. And the Unification Church actually has a chapter in there. So they're out there. They're, they're, you're, if you go to the supermarket at all during the holiday season, I don't know how long they're here. They've flown them in. And they're, they've, they've got boxes that they're carrying with little scriptures and stuff on the side of the box. They're all over Fred Myers, or all over cars, or all over Walmart. I promise you, you're going to run into them because they are diligent at their job of raising money and spreading their, their, their lies. And really, what I, really, what I sense from them more than anything was they're just trying to get money. And, uh, and they're doing a good job. And uh, there's no way hell will freeze before I give $1 to that organization simply because it's a cult. And that is a bad ground. You don't want to so I'm all into helping the poor and helping people. I'm not into helping any cults. Amen. And uh, so we'll talk about that. But I, I, I was minding my own business with my family going to Fred Myers. And we were approached. I began to talk to this young man. 
and in talking with him, begin to quiz his theology and uh, ask him what he believed. He answered a few questions right, answered a few questions wrong, got, in, got into a salvation, talked with him about that, started probing a little bit because I didn't know that I had a sense it was a cult and a vague remembrance of last year, a similar thing happening. And so as I, as I got to talking with him, discovered that he was part of the Unification Church and discovered that he was really a, a devotee of Reverend Moon. And uh, I told him that he was in a cult and witnessed to him, prayed for him. It wasn't but a few days later that I was um, entering Walmart. It was about 11.30 at night. And I saw these two people running to cars with a box. They were, we could only see their shadow. And I thought, that's them again. I thought, oh, yeah. Now, my wife said, come on, we're on a date, a date to Walmart. How many of you know, praise the Lord, we're on a date to Walmart. <laughs> Uh, we went there, and on the way out, I asked the Lord. I really felt like God had was going to use me to give a word. I shared this on Sunday morning, so if you're hearing it again, you bear with me. And I said, in agreement with my wife, Lord, if you want me to talk to them, just have them run up to me. That'll be the sign. I won't run after them this time. We'll let them run to me. If they run to me, then I know. So I'm getting in the truck. My wife's getting in, and sure enough, I look over my shoulder, and they're in a dead sprint from the far side of the parking lot, honing in on me. Little did they know they were running to their, running to their correction and the love of God. And so as they came, I, uh, they, were, they were still in darkness. So I could tell it was the same individual I saw. And as they came, I said, hey, hey, no, oh, oh. And he comes to me and goes, oh, it's like you. It's you. You know, that was the look he had. And uh, I began to tell him very boldly about the cult that he was involved in. And I pleaded with him on behalf of the Lord to get out of the cult. Stop. Get out of where you're at. And I, I prophesied over him. He's a young man. He's filled with destiny. And listen, you, you might see him. He's kind of an Asian-looking gentleman. He's probably 20 years old. He's, he's filled with joy. He's got joy. I mean, he doesn't look like some depressed person. He's actually charismatic. There's, there's joy, and there's, a, there's something about him. And I'm going to tell you, he's got a call of God on his life. When you see him, you tell him. Jesus loves you. Get out of the cult. You're going to see him. I'm just telling you. And so that happened. And then I was in Starbucks. And I, I was with my wife, who was, was a part of a, uh, an Eastern mysticist-type uh, group. Uh, and it was really what I believe to be occult. It's, it's not a cult, a Christian cult, but it's a, a cult of mysticism and magic and not worshiping Satan. But how many of you know he comes as an angel of light? My wife was caught up in that. And, and she's told her testimony at different times here. She was following two gurus. She sold everything. She, uh, they, they were all shaving their heads and she was into shaving her head. She was going to do that, but they actually decided to change it because they wanted to look normal to reach more people. And it was so much deception and lies it was called living the truth teaching these people were demonized totally demonized and Karen now Pastor Karen was following them she sold everything and moved to Hawaii with this 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 group of very deceived people and then she met me and got saved hallelujah <laughs> I'm just teasing. But it is true. She met me. We got in religious debates. We brought her to church and the power of God touched her. She gave her heart to Jesus. She never went back. But what a mighty, what a mighty battle she had in the spirit, getting her out of that and breaking all the ties. And I mean, we had, we had a burn barrel that just made all kinds of noises. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we just cleared her, all her malas and all that stuff, cleared out, out of her, out of her apartment and all of her, emptied all of her stuff and burned it on the beach in a burn barrel and it was like you could hear the devil screaming i mean it was so dramatic and she got totally delivered come on pastor karen hallelujah she got totally delivered uh from from really demon power and from torment and uh, got gloriously saved filled with the spirit of god and uh, from her first day that she went to church she never stopped going i don't have that testimony i, I had some pauses in there the first day she entered and gave her heart to jesus she never quit going made every service ever since then some almost 20 years ago now right isn't that awesome and so we have uh, we have a, a little bit of experience with this and as we were uh, in Starbucks we looked on the bulletin board and my wife noticed this uh, Hindu guru guy that that she used to ascribe to his teachings and follow 
And we saw the poster, and I just went up and pulled it off. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I just felt led of the Lord to snatch that thing off of the... And, and, uh, and it just so happened that the date that they were emphasizing was past, so hallelujah. And so I just helped Starbucks remove that from their bulletin board and deposit it in the circular file. We want you to be equipped. God wants you to be equipped with the truth of God's word. You must know the truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if you're not, if you don't know the truth, then you'll basically uh, be prey to deception. I was, I was actually surprised at some of the questions, and you never know with hand raising. You know, some people are never going to raise their hand no matter what you do. Other people raise their hand when they're not supposed to and whatever. So, you know, raising the hand is not the, the be-all to end-all of what people know. But as we were teaching and preaching along the lines of grace, I could tell from people's countenance that many people don't really understand what I was preaching. And it was new to them. And I thought, my goodness, Jesus, help us. Help our small groups. Help us to disciple. You've got to know the word. You must know the word. And uh, it's important for you to know the word, otherwise you can be uh, deceived. And so we want to know tonight, we want to we just expose seven characteristics of cults, specifically Christian cults. And I'm picking on that one because the Unification Church is a Christian cult. And they're right here, right now, and you're going to run into them. The odds are you will run in. If you go shopping at all, they're out there. There's teams of people. They've flown them up in airplanes, and, and you should not give them one red cent, and you should tell them that Jesus loves them and get out. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Hurt their feelings. I'm so thankful for people. You know, do it in love. Don't, don't, don't be all critical and, ah, you're a part of a cult. Ah, hiss, I bind you. I bind you. You know, come on. Love people, right? Everybody say love people. All right. But I mean, don't, don't shrink back and afraid of hurting. I'm not afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. I'm going to tell them in love. Hey, you're part of a cult. God loves you. Now you need to get out of it. And uh, we have the book. We can make photocopies. For those of you that are interested, you want to really find out about the Unification Church, because really, truly, I'm not exaggerating. They're all over our parking lots. And that's why I'm preaching this. That, and then it just so happened to come into church, and Minister Chris says, have you ever seen this book before? And he holds up the kingdom of the cults. And I thought, yeah, I have. Thank you for emphasizing what the Holy Spirit wants to say on Sunday night. Amen. The purpose of tonight is, of course, to give you insight. But also so that you would not only be able to protect your own self, but so that you could teach others. You can teach others. You can teach others very simple, seven simple characteristics. And I'm sure there's more, but I just, just seven tonight. Very si seven simple characteristics of how to discern a cult. Let me give you a definition. A cult is a group that deviates from the doctrines and practices of historic Christianity and has an inordinate loyalty to one leader whose beliefs are not found in Scripture. That's the definition. Let me read it again. A cult is a group that deviates from the doctrines and practices of historic Christianity. Now, I'm not talking about occult. I'm talking about a cult, a Christian cult. Occult is different. We're talking about a Christian cult, and there has been many. Following Hale Bop and so on and so forth. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I remember Hale Bop, the group of people that are just going to kill themselves and go unite behind the comet after they drank their Kool-Aid or what? I forget how it went. But, but the Kool-Aid, you don't drink the Kool-Aid. How many of you heard of don't drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah, Jim Jones. He was an Assembly of God Pentecostal preacher that preached the gospel and he was anointed and all that. And then there came a point where he threw the Bible down and says, it's no longer God's word, it's my word. And everybody should have turned and run right out the building in that moment. And he led a group of people to Africa. And there was, uh, I mean, you go look it up on Google and check it out, Wikipedia, whatever. He led a group to Africa and started Jonestown. And there was a California senator, I believe. I got that right? A senator whose daughter was involved. And so they got together and they went over to Uganda, over to Africa to rescue them. And they ended up killing them and murdering them. And then the United States government was going to get involved and rescue the whole thing. And they decided to off themselves with Kool-Aid. They off themselves and, you know, some promise.
promise of some great you know reward for them as they died women and children it was a horrible horrible thing in the text that we read, Acts 20, verse 30, the Apostle Paul warns uh, of false teachers in this mighty church of Ephesus. He's talking to the church of Ephesus, and he warns them of these false teachers. In 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7, it says, I urged you as I went to Macedonia to stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths or endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculation rather than advancing God's work which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidentially conf confidently affirm. In 1 Timothy 6, let me read this to you, 3 through 5. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant frictions between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means of to financial gain. And Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24 that there would come doctrines of demons and false teachers. And there is coming a mighty end time revival. Listen to me, and we'll get into the seven characteristics. There is coming a mighty end time outpouring of the Spirit with signs and wonders. And there will come a mighty deception and even what the Bible calls a great falling away of the apostate. Apostate, a great falling away. Now, if you a falling away, you have to you have to have been in the way in order to fall away. And when I say in the way, I mean the way, the truth, and the life. I don't mean in the way of what God's doing, but literally in His way, in His word, in His truth. And then there comes this great falling away. It's going to happen that even the elect will be deceived. Some of you, even here tonight, will be deceived. And will fall away. How do you know? It's just the odds are. I mean, I pray it doesn't happen, but it's true. Let me let me let this bomb drop on you. If you are here after the rapture, all you young people, listen to me. I don't care how old you are, listen to the words that come out of the mouths of your bald-headed pastor up here. Listen. If you are here at the end of the rapture, and the rapture takes place, and you're left. Do not join the army. Because if you join the army, you will find yourself fighting against God himself. We are living at an incredible time in history. It's time to wake up from our slumber. It's time to really understand the truth of God's word. And we must know doctrine. We must know the truth of God's word. There's a battle for truth today in our universities. And we must know the truth. All right, seven characteristics of cults. Number one. Number one, they oppose critical thinking. Instead of allowing people to think for themselves, they don't, they don't allow people to think for themselves. Critical thinking is objective. It evaluates information received. Cult members, they, they, they teach this. Their members must accept what the cult leader believes without ever challenging their doctrine. How many of you know that's a big mistake? You said, is that not the way it is here? It is absolutely not the way it is here. And some of you know full well because you've challenged me on a number of things. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being as, as the Bereans in Scripture. Who when they heard something from Paul, they would go back and they'd study. Now, is that, really what it, is that really what that means? And they would study the Scriptures, which, by the way, was the Old Testament. They don't want their members to think critically for themselves. So number one, cults will oppose critical thinking. They do not encourage you to think for yourself. Now, that's not true for healthy Christianity. 
The Bible says we must test all teaching. Do not receive teaching that you cannot see with your, with your eyes in the Bible. If you don't see it in the Word of God, then you better not take it as true. Amen. You ever heard that expression, we take that as gospel? Why? That, that expression means gospel is the truth. If it's not in the Word, you hear some teaching that's not in the Word, you're not going to ever hear it coming from me. Okay, but if you hear it coming from somebody that begins to bring some revelation or something that's not in there, they say that they got a gold pair of glasses and an angel visited them, an angel of moron. Or whatever it is. I mean, I'm poking fun. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. Come on, laugh. It's okay to it's okay to laugh. Okay, praise God. You know, you can't find the you can't find the gold glasses. There's no proof of any gold glasses. You know, it, and and in fact, the Unification Church they had a special revelation that that Reverend Moon had. He started out as a Pentecostal in in Korea. He had some special revelation. Watch out for special revelation. Very dangerous. The book of Revelation says if anybody adds to the words of this book, then God will add to him the plagues of the book. If anyone takes away, and how many of you know cults take away? So number one, they oppose critical thinking. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 21, test all things, hold fast to the good. In Acts chapter 17, 11, it says, They, talking of the Bereans, received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily. How, how often? Daily to find out whether the things were so that the Apostle Paul was teaching Christians are exhorted to test the spirit. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits of whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So number one, they oppose critical thinking. We encourage it. In fact, you should teach critical thinking. Critical thinking is not even taught in universities mostly now. Uh, C.S. Lewis, one of the great minds of the 20th century and, and scholars, he wrote many, many books. He wrote Mere Christianity. You want to teach yourself how to think critically, read Mere Christianity. I mean, I read it. Read it over and over and learn how to think. Learn how to, learn how to think. And you'll learn how to destroy the feeble arguments of of folks that are even deceived and they say things like as long as you believe it's all good you don't believe that people don't even believe that That's right. what do you mean they don't believe that Here, here's an argument from from mere christianity as long as you believe it's all good and we can prove that you don't believe that because let's say this let's say i believe that i want to take scalding hot boiling water and pour it on you i want to do that that's what i believe is that okay with you no it isn't no no so is that okay that I believe that I can pour boiling water on you? And the answer is no. All right, there is absolute truth. Or right, let's 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 move to let's move to number two. They dishonor the family unit. So number one, number one is what they oppose critical thinking. Number two, they dishonor the family unit. In fact, cult leaders oftentimes try to take the place of husbands, often try to take the place of fathers, oftentimes put themselves in a place where where really. It should be as a parent, and they, and they really destroy family units. And many times it's for sexual perversion. Children are taught to be more loyal to leaders than to their parents. Women are taught to be more loyal to the, to the, the leader, the man that's leading or men that are leading. Husbands are taught to accept it as normal. The cult leader seeks to take the place of fathers, mothers, authority figures, and the members are often required to cut ties with families. If you're ever a part of anything that's like that, run <laughs> away. Somebody say amen. amen. That's not so. The Bible teaches that our, our first relational commitment is to our spouse. Relational commitment is to our spouse, to our children, and to our parents. It says, honor your father and mother and have a long life. Which, by the way, the contrary of that, or the converse, I should say, the converse of that is true. Dishonor mom and dad, have a short one. Mark 7. If you'd pull this up, can we pull this up? Mark 7, verse 9 through 13. On the screen, if you'd bring your attention. And he said to them... All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep to your tradition. 
For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And he who curses his father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban. That is a gift to God. And you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Making the word of God, oh, this will preach right here. Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down. Leave that up and many such things that you do. Do you know tradition will nullify the power of God? Did you know that? Tradition. Tradition will nullify the power of God. They dishonor the family unit. And it's a very sad thing what takes place. The third thing, number one, they oppose critical thinking. Number two, they dishonor the family unit. Number three, they isolate members and reject them for leaving. In other words, when they're, when they're a part of something, they get isolated. But a God forbid if they ever want to get out, then they, then they reject them and they cut them off and they teach everybody that's a part. You say, that kind of sounds like my old church. I know. I know. Isn't that insane? And here's the thing. You will find, you might not find all seven that are a part of a, of a Christian organization. You might just find one or two. And it's dangerous. So is it a cult if you just find one or two? Not necessarily. It kind of depends on which point you're picking. Are you saying that there's Christian cults among us? Well, very possibly, yes. You should see what I'm looking at, Pastor Karen, and people like, that sounds like my old pastor. <laughs> well, he needs healing. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You can't give what you don't have. Okay, I'll go there. <laughs> Let me tell you how, how, how we do it. And it, and it really is, a, I believe, a biblical model. Being a part of KC, being a part of our church, is certainly not a life sentence. All right? Meaning that if God's called you here, we're rejoicing that you're here. If he called you to go, we rejoice in that. It, look, you belong to the Lord. Amen. And he says, it's sad when people go. You could, you could dial your heart into think, to thinking that and believing that. But here's how we look at it. This is how I've been taught. When people come, you rejoice that they're with you. When they leave, you rejoice that you had time, with they, that they were with you for a season and for all that God did during the season, they were with you. They belong to the Lord. But I've known friends of mine that have tried to hold on to people. They don't want them to go. Maybe they were big tithers or something ridiculous. You tell me what they're after if you're trying to hold on to somebody because they're, they're wealthy or something. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, and, and so the people will leave and, the, and people will shame them. They'll have pastors that will shame them. Now, I love pastors. I'm, I, have a, I have a heart for pastors and ministers and for their families. It's just, and God, you know, it's amazing how many pastors and ministers God's bringing into our church. It's amazing. It, we have a healing restoration ministry that, that God has done sovereignly by his spirit. Amen. But there are those that will cause you to feel shame and rejection and put a trip on you and say that's not God if it was God then he would have talked to me I've heard that mess in, Christ, in, in Christian churches it's not God it's cultish it's weird they number four they promote inappropriate loyalty and connection to cult leadership instead of Jesus. Cults seek to connect their members with the cult leader and require loyalty to him instead of Jesus. Loyalty defined as not questioning the leader about any decisions. You know, of course, this is at the extreme. Faithfulness is defined as supporting the leader rather than obeying the Lord. leaders warn members not to touch God's anointed. I've heard that pile of mess so many times before. 
Is that a scripture? It is a scripture, but people who used it many times to manipulate and control people. The Bible, first of all, our loyalty is a connection to Jesus, Colossians 2.19, holding fast to the head, which is Jesus, from which the whole body grows. Our job is not to control you, tell you what color couch to buy or who to marry. How many of you thankful for that? Yeah, our job is to equip you and help you grow in your relationship with God so you can talk to him and he can tell you who to marry. Can you say amen? Number five, they cults cross biblical boundaries of behavior instead of walking in purity and integrity, especially immorality and finances, especially. If anybody tells you that you've got to give your house or do this thing or surrender your goods, you should also run away as fast as you can. Second Peter 2 By covetousness, this is verse 3, they will exploit. 2 Peter 2, 3. Verse 14 says, having eyes full of adultery, heart trained in covetous practices. Verse 18, they allure through the lusts of the flesh and through lewdness. They usually insist on controlling money and, uh, and owning your, your property so that you could join the community. It's not tithing. It's very different. Scripture teaches that sexual purity and private ownership of property. Uh, in Acts 4, 32 to 35, the disciples laid their money and property at the apostles' feet one at a time at a free will offering. That is not some permanent economic arrangement. Okay, very different. God moved upon the congregation, Barnabas, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, moved upon his heart and he sold a piece of land and he laid the finances at the apostles' feet. It's open giving and that open giving, that free will offering released generosity throughout the entire congregation and people began to give. And how many of you know Ananias and Sapphira? They didn't really do too well. They, I think they were looking for a hand clap or some accolades. In other words, they looked, they came and they offered, they sold the land and they did what Barnabas did. However, they made it look like they gave everything when in fact they didn't to get a higher level of standing amongst people that watched them what they did. And they lied not, not to men necessarily, but to the Holy Spirit and they were struck dead. That's in the New Testament. We're not talking old. And they dropped, you know, she dropped dead, he dropped dead and then she came and said the same lie as her husband and then she dropped dead and the youth ministry carried them out and buried them. <laughs> It says the young men. The young men came, picked her up, and they had revival. Praise the Lord. How would that be? How would that be? How would that be today? Somebody's like, they fall over. Wonder what happened. I don't know. I've heard preachers say, the days of Ananias and Sapphira are coming again. I don't know that they ever left. Don't lie. You know, the Holy Spirit's not an it's not a dove. It's a person. They lied to the Holy Spirit. You can only lie. You can't lie to in it. You can't lie to, come on, you can't lie to the plant. Can you lie to the plant? No, it's an inanimate object. You can lie to the Holy Spirit because he's a person. Don't miss Wednesday night. Holy Spirit series starting. So they cross biblical lines of behavior and lewdness. Look, six. They separate from the church instead of promoting a culture of honor toward the church. Cults separate from the wider church. When I say the church, I mean the body of Christ. Believing they alone have their own special status with God. They criticize the rest of the body of Christ. They're constantly saying things about, listen, if you're, if you're in a church and the church is constantly nailing and beating on all the other denominations, there's something wrong in that church. There's something wrong. Yeah. Listen to me. They start beating on the Baptists, start beating on the Presbyterians. Now listen, the, the, there, there's the Presbyterian church, Presbyterian church is in great need of prayer. The, 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 um, uh, a lot of the main denominational churches are in great need of prayer. They're ordaining homosexuals, and I'm going to tell you what. We'll stand up and declare that's not God's word all the way every day. Amen. We, we just, it's sin. But you can't, you can't ordain. You can't, 
you can't you can't get away from the truth of what God's word says about that. And um, uh, I think it's the Episcopal Church. Episcopal. The Episcopal Church has ordained homosexuals. There is a whole movement. It's in the United States breaking away. Listen, I got to tell you something. And thank God that there's a church within a church that's called the remnant. So the Episcopal Church is ordaining homosexuals and saying that homosexuality is no longer wrong. And there's a group within the Episcopal Church that is saying absolutely no way is that from God's word. And there's a rift and there's a breaking away. And they're now becoming an an Anglican church as I understand it. Now the problem is, is that, listen, listen how sad this is. Just talking to doctor about this. So you have an Episcopal church. Let's say you went to an Episcopal church and you went there all your life and your mom and dad went to the same one. You live in the same town and the building that you've owned is 150 years old. And, and your pastor is teaching and preaching, you know, the word of God in, the, in their own way and so on and so forth. And, the, and the, uh, they come with this statement that now you're going to ordain and do homosexual marriages and all that. And how many of you know, as a pastor, as a man of God, as a woman of God, you can't say yes to that. There's no way you can. And so then there you are in your community. Church is 150 years old. Your mom and dad were married there. Your, your grandparents were married there. You were dedicated and you're a kid in that ch- you were raised up in that church. And now they say we, are, we can no longer do that. We must take a stand against this. It's not true. And they you teach on Romans and you, you, you love, the, love the sinner. You hate the sin. And, and so there you go. And you tell the church. The, the Anglican, Anglican, pardon me, Episcopal Church, we're no longer going to be a part. We're breaking away. And they say, so that's fine. We own your building. So you can go move to a school, but we're keeping your 150-year-old building. You're out, and they move in an Episcopal homosexual priest, maybe, or somebody with the same doctrinal beliefs as the rest of it. How sad is that? And they're then all kicked out of a church that they've owned for 150 years preaching the gospel. That's happening in America today. That's happening. There's nothing wrong with speaking against that because it breaks away from doctrinal truths. But when you find a place that begins to say that we've got the special revelation and we're the only one and this is, we got a corner, oh, this is real revival. I don't know what that other thing is. You don't want to go there. You want to come here because that's weird. Somebody say amen. Number seven. They emphasize special revelations that contradict Scripture. And that's what cults will do. They contradict Scripture. As Christians, we emphasize the infallibility of Scripture as the final authority and truth. We believe in absolute truth. We don't believe in one of many truths. We believe in absolute truth. I had somebody tell me, I think you're kind of narrow-minded. I said, yeah, I am. It's about this narrow. Right there. That's about how narrow my mind is. I believe the word. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to stand on this, and, and we'll all stand to give an account. Amen. Cults will emphasize that they had some special revelation, and, and that is not what we do. We, we believe in, in, in doctrine. If you're interested in what our doctrine is, you can certainly come to our members class and find out about that. But you can go to the website, too. And on the website, it'll take you to a link of the fundamental truths that we believe. And it's important to know what you believe. And I'm finding more and more and more, most people have not one clue of what, the, what their faith is based on. Their faith is based on an experience or based on some kind of warm, fuzzy feeling that they have. And I'm going to tell you that when, when you're, if your faith is not based upon doctrine, a sound teaching from the Word of God, then you are setting yourself up for deception. And we just don't want to have that. Amen. Did you get something tonight? Come on, stand up on your feet. Can I have a, a Levite come to the piano, please? Brother Levite. Amen. Listen, we pray nearly every day. Nearly every day, this is a prayer that we pray. Corporately, when we have our times of prayer, and I'd encourage you to be a part of those. Uh, In my own life, I pray this. My wife and I have for years. I was discipled and taught this. I pray, God, 
If there's anything that you need to show me or convict me or reveal to me where I might be off somewhere, Lord, won't you do it? Lord, reveal to me any, any you know, place that's grieving you. Do I have any stronghold? A stronghold is a mindset that's contrary to the Word of God, a way of thinking that's a lie. The power of the enemy is in a lie. When you begin to believe a lie, you can be head down the primrose path. You can be bamboozled, hoodwinked. Come on, let's, let's pray. And I say, but Pastor, you're kind of freaking me out. You don't need to be freaked out. The love of God can hold you and keep you, but you need to do your part. You need to love God on God's terms. That's good. Let me say that again. Love God on God's terms. Where do we find God's terms? In God's Word. Simple. So you mean I can't love God the way I want to? Because I just want to do this other stuff and God knows my heart. So can I just? No, you can't. Why not? Because He has rules about that. It's, yeah, you, otherwise, you develop your own religion and become a cult leader or something. I mean, don't do it. Amen. Come on, let's ask it. The Lord would keep us and protect us. That's the first thing. And that He would expose any. Anything that needs to be uh, exposed in our lives. Come on, pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would show us any place of thinking that's, that's out of accord with the truth of your word. Lord, you are able to keep us. You have carved us in the palm of your hand. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You've given us your word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain forever. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I, I love your word. You know what the monks used to call? They used to call it the kisses, the kisses of his word. That's what monks used to call it. It's the number one best-selling book. It also happens to be the first one that was ever published. It's just a book, right? No. And the schools know it ain't just a book either, otherwise I'd let it in. It's not just a book. It is the living Word of God. And if you will live by this right here, you will become a spiritual athlete. You will overcome all obstacles and sickness and disease. You say, what, all sickness and disease? Yeah. Everybody gets healed. Say, everybody gets healed. Okay, you might be in heaven. How many of you know when you get to heaven, you're totally being healed? It might be in the earth. We don't know when that is. But it's for sure it's going to come. Amen. Increase in provision, wisdom, relational wisdom. didn't leave anything undone not one thing if you have a problem in your life any problem at all I mean you could pick the most random topic there is it's in here and there's an answer for it that's amazing is that amazing come on thank God for his word Lord we thank you for your word a lamp unto our feet a light upon our path God thank you for your word Lord reveal to us places that are out of accord that we might repent, repent, rethink again, that we would change our thinking to be in alignment with your truth. And Lord, come on, the second thing we're gonna, let's commit to eat the word. Everybody say, I'm gonna eat the scroll. Read it, read it, know it, live it, amen. Come on, commit to, commit to eat the word. Commit to eat the scroll, if you will. Come on, ask God to give you a hunger for the word of God. Forgive us, Lord, for where we've just relied maybe on just a Sunday teaching to feed us. Lord, we ask that you would give us a, a ferocious hunger for the word of God. Lord, that we couldn't help. Do you remember when you used to just be like, oh, I can't wait to get back to my Bible when you first got saved? You were like having a revival in the book of Leviticus. And now you don't even read it at all, maybe. Come on, ask God. Repent of not reading the Word, knowing the Word, if, if it applies. Lord, forgive us for not knowing, reading the Word like we should. Lord, we're not under condemnation. 
But Lord, we know that your word is truth. And Lord, we commit to eat the scroll. We commit to read the word. We commit, Lord, to go to a new level of understanding and discipleship. Lord, we want to love you on your terms and your way. You, if you love me, you'll obey my word. Lord, we want to love you like that. Not not at some pie in the sky or, or just some smooth, neat, goose-bumped experience. Because we could end up in deception that way. Your word, Lord, will keep us sharper than any two-edged sword. Living and active. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name. How many of you, do you know anybody that's caught up in a Christian cult? Raise your hand if you know somebody. Wow. All right. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for them. Gil, would you come? You lead us in prayer. You're going to lead us in prayer. Gil's pastored before. He's a great man of God. You know somebody? There's Christian cults in, in, in Brazil. You got, you got family? So he said he's got family. I know why my wife was snatched out early from the, the it's a little bit different, but snatched out of this because people prayed. It's because people prayed. I know why I didn't end them down the primrose path. It's because people prayed. We're going to pray and we're going to believe they're going to be set free. Come on, let's pray right now. Boldly lift your voice. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord, because we are in a place that your word is preached, Lord. We are in a place that we have freedom, Lord, in your spirit, Lord. We have freedom in you, Lord. Father, we pray that every single one of us, Lord, that have family, Lord, that are being blinded, Lord, by... by uh, the, the lie, Lord, of the devil, Lord, the, the subtle lies, Lord, that deviate, Lord, sharply, Lord. We ask that by your spirit, Lord, they would be visited, Lord, and right now that their eyes would be open, Lord, that the blindness will fall off their eyes, Lord, as the apostle Paul himself had an encounter with you, Lord, and his eyes were open, Lord. Father, we ask that they would have this encounter as well, Lord. We lift them up right now, Lord. Your word says, Lord, that us and our family would be saved, Lord, and we stand on that, believing in you, the one true God, Lord, and that your truth would permeate, Lord, from our lives and touch the lives of our family, Lord. Father, I lift up right now, Lord, the Hebedos, Lord, that you would touch their lives, Lord, that the thirst, Lord, that the yearning, Lord, to serve you, Lord, would not be met by any lie, Lord. Reveal your truth, Lord. Reveal your truth, we ask, in Jesus' name. You know, we were praying and the Lord spoke to me and reminded me of what I've heard many times before. The reason people get involved in cults is because they long for significance. They long for acceptance and they long for security. You said, is that wrong? It's not wrong. It's what was lost in the Garden of Eden. And you and I both long for acceptance, security, and significance. And it's the very things that Jesus gives us and the church gives us. It's the very thing we get when we have fellowship and when we learn and we know who God is. We learn and grow in the Word. There's many people that don't have fathers, they don't have mothers, and they long for somebody to put their arm around them and tell them that they're going to make it, they're going to be all right. Now you're part of something special. And cults do that sometimes better than the church does. And we, we really, listen, everybody has to find a place to be able to serve and feel special. It is the way that God wired you up. That's why we have ministries, one of the reasons. It's why we have outreaches and small groups. It's one of the reasons we have them. You got to find a place to serve. And you, when you do, you'll find something happens on the inside of you that never happens any other way. Come on, let's ask God to help us and then we'll close. Let's ask God to help us to be a, a healthy church that raises up disciples and, and, and helps people to find a place of significance. Amen. Minister Chris, you come and lead us. Come on and pray. Lord, we lift up tonight, Lord Jesus, that we would be good stewards, Father God, that we would connect with people, that you, Lord Jesus, would lead us. It wouldn't just be us four and no more, but God, break our hearts. Break our hearts, Lord Jesus. For that significance, that's something else that someone is looking for, that you, God, you, Lord Jesus, would speak to us. That we want to just get in a funk and only care about ourselves, but God, we would see past that. We'd see with your eyes, we'd see with your heart, God, your love. God, we pray right now, Holy Spirit, come forth, do a mighty work. 
Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, God. We can't do it by ourselves, not with a charismatic movement, not just saying fancy words or just reading a scripture, but God, we need your spirit to come. We just ask you, Father God, burden our hearts for this, Lord Jesus. Burden our hearts, Father God, for that longing to be fulfilled. In you, Jesus, you are the only one that can fulfill us, Lord God. You are the only one that can fill that place in our hearts that was lost. So God, we ask you now, fill us. Fill us, Lord Jesus. Fill our family members, our friends, our neighbors. God, we need you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to do one more thing. Pastor Karen, would you come? We want to pray for people. Now, we've been talking about Christian cults. We want to pray for people that are involved in the, in the occult, all right? People that are involved in mysticism uh, and stuck in the, all of that Eastern stuff. And, you know, we could go on and list all the names of that. But let's pray. Karen, God delivered you. I believe you've got authority in that. Let's pray. How many of you know and people involved in, in all that mess? All right, let's just pray for them. And then we'll close tonight. Lord, I just lift up different ones, God, that we know, people that are, people even that we don't know, God, that are involved in uh, mysticism and the occult. And Father, we are asking right now, God, Lord, for revelation. Lord, when I was in the in that thing, I was seeking love. I was seeking power. I was seeking uh, acceptance and significance. Lord, and most of all, I was seeking you, and I didn't even know it. And Lord, people are seeking you, and they just don't know. And Father, I'm asking, Lord, for your spirit to break in. I pray, God, for a binding of demon power, a spirit of deception in the name of Jesus. I bind demon power. And Lord, I just pray that they would be loosed. Loose them. Lord, let the scales come off of their eyes tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. I pray for revelation. I pray that you would surround them even with people that are filled with your spirit. Not religious people that are stuck on tradition, but God, people that move in the power of your spirit. Reveal yourself to them. Father, if it takes dreams and visions, however you want to do it, encounter, supernatural encounter, even like you did for me, Father, I ask that you would do it. In Jesus' name, set people free. In Jesus' name. Come on, pray for your unsaved loved ones. It's only 7.30. Come on, pray for your unsaved loved ones. God, we pray, Lord, that you would save our whole families, our mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, on bloodlines, Lord, on both sides. Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them as Messiah. You would reveal, even even send the hound of heaven. Holy Spirit, you would arrest them, giving road to Damascus-type encounters. Deliver them. Set them free, Lord. Set them free. We call them in. Lord, as it says in Isaiah, fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your sons from afar and your daughters from the ends of the earth. I will say to the north, hold not back. And the south, give them up. Your children who you've created for your glory, we call in the harvest tonight in the name of Jesus. Give us a mighty revival, God, based upon the word of God, based upon the truth of your word, based upon the outpouring of your spirit. God, do it, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, never want to close the service and give you, not give you an opportunity. If you're not right with God tonight, maybe you've drifted in your walk and you know that you're not right with Him. Or maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus and for the first time tonight, you want to repent of your sin and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or you want to make a recommitment to him, or thirdly, maybe the devil lies to you and he says, you're not saved, you're not really saved, and you just want to be assured. There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. If that's you, you want to be included in this prayer, giving your heart to Jesus for the first time, or number two, making a recommitment to him because you've drifted away, you want to come home tonight, or number three, you just want to be assured. If that's you, slip your hand up right now. Do it right now. God bless you, son. God bless you. God bless you. See that hand. Leave your hand raised. God bless you. God bless you. See that hand. I see that hand right there. Anybody else? Raise your hand. You still want to be included in this prayer. All right, now listen. We never want to embarrass anybody. Ever. 
we want to protect your dignity. But I also know the scripture that says, Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me, I will deny you. I just believe that taking a step to an altar, coming up front and saying, yep, I'm going to live for God. I think it's a major deal. And so if you raised your hand or you didn't, you want to be included in that prayer. As soon as Pastor Alex begins to sing, I want you to come and meet me right here. Come on. Come on, you raised your hand. Come. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live together a little bit. pray a very simple prayer every eye on me look at me we're going to pray a very simple prayer and when we pray that prayer every sin that you ever did is going to be wiped out in fact the bible says he's going to throw it as far as the east is from the west how's that possible it's possible because jesus died in your place we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god but the gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus our lord so Pray with me. Repeat after me. Right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again for the grave for me. Forgive me for all of my sin. I'm sorry. Come into my life. Come into my heart. And be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Thank you for writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Now say this. Say, my sins are gone. I'm forgiven. The Lord has taken them away from me thrown them as far as the east is from the west I'm a new creation I'm born again my past is gone (laughs) sorry I just messed myself up come on somebody say my past is gone it's remembered no more I'm God's child I'm God's friend I'm a co-heir with Christ I'm born again I'm new come on say it I'm new and say Lord give me a hunger for your word a hunger for fellowship that I would fulfill all my purpose in the earth and say Holy Spirit fill me come on lift your hands all across this place Hey, Holy Spirit fill me now Holy Spirit, I do pray, fill them, touch them, break every bondage, break every curse, defilement go, let your power rest upon us. God, we thank you and we praise you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Take someone by the hand. You can just take someone by the hand right up front here. Take someone by the hand. Mike Sisson, you come up and close us tonight.
Father, we thank you for tonight. Come on, people, let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We ask tonight that you, when we leave this place, would be so imprinted upon us that when we walk home, when we go to our, our, our houses or to the stores or go out to eat, God, that when people look at us, they would see something different about us, that they wouldn't look at us and see us, but they would look at us and we would reflect you, that people would see you on the inside of us. God, help us to be a light in dark places. Help us to lead people to you. May you be the reason. May you be the focus of everything in our lives. God, I pray anybody in this congregation dealing with any struggles, God, that you'd set them free, that you'd release them from the snare of the enemy. We rebuke the devourer over your people tonight, God. We pray freedom and blessings upon your people. God, anoint them as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, ministry to the whole family. Praise the Lord. God's on the throne. The devil's been defeated. Hallelujah tonight. Praise God forever. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.